Hello, and welcome to The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. My name is Patrick Arias, and it is my pleasure to be your tour guide as we break down and discuss this weekend's hot picks and bold predictions. We are dedicated to bringing you our most exciting sporting matchups taking place from Wednesday to Sunday. And yes, we are live in the living room. As always, I am joined by my three co-hosts, Andres, the Cavalier King, Bryant, first prize Flores, and none other than Mr. Champagne Chauncey. Gentlemen, 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 welcome back. Welcome back to another jam-packed weekend. This week's episode, first question, Mike Trout or Mookie Betts? Champagne Chauncey is disappointed in his beloved Louisville Cardinals basketball organization. Andres kicks off the weekend for everyone with his Champions League soccer picks for Wednesday, and Flores will be in heaven Saturday night with his main man, Canelo Alvarez. Yours truly is desperate for the Lakers to turn things around. Will I rely on them for a bold prediction? We're going to get into all this, and we're going to answer all these questions just after this message. If you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe to us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Weekend Starts on Wednesday. You can keep up with all of our stories, all of our posts, and all of our predictions. Again, to keep up with all of our action and entertainment, Weekend Starts on Wednesday. We love baseball, and baseball season is right around the corner. So, gentlemen, I have two heroes this week to present to all of you and i'm asking you to choose one if you were to start your mlb franchise chance who would you go with would you go with mike trout or mookie betts man that's a tough one both great players both all-star mvp level players um but just it's a tough question, Pat, because if you just look at the A-B comparison and remove the players' names and, you know, what they've done and what they've accomplished and just go by stats, you're going to pick Mike Trout hands down because he's played in the league longer. He's accomplished a little bit more than Mookie, and um, he pretty much has him beat in every statistical category you can think of. But we know that this is real life, and we don't look at just names on pieces of paper. Um, you have to go out there and play the game and just – after what I've seen, um, I'm going to have to go with Mookie Betts with a slight edge only because he's, it looks like his system follows him wherever he goes. Kind of like LeBron, kind of like Tom Brady. You know, he won in Boston, he won in L.A., and he was one of the main guys, one of the main cogs, you know, in both of those teams winning their championships. So because of that, I'm just slightly going to have to go with my man Mookie Betts. Also because, side note, for our listeners out there and for you fellas, if you didn't know this, 
Mookie was my childhood nickname that my parents called me. So <laughs> <laughs> no bias there at all. I know, man. I mean, you, you got to go with you got to go with the rings. I feel you on that. Flores, over to you. Are you taking Mike Trout to start your franchise, or are you taking Mookie Betts? Uh, I just think that argument of the chances that the system follows them where he goes, you got to keep in mind, he went to the best team in the major leagues that was the odds-on favorite to win the World Series. Let us not also forget that part of it. Um and when it comes down to it, everything that Sean's is saying is, is correct. It's a really, really hard choice. It's preference. Do you want that speed on the bases, the hits, the controlling the game that way? Or do you want the big bully to come in and rack up RBIs, rack up home runs? I mean, you think about it more so than just stats. Who have people considered to be more valuable mm. over the last, I don't know, four or five years. And Trout has three MVPs. Mookie Betts has one, you know, and Mookie Betts did not win the MVP of the World Series or the championship series, you know. So he's just in a great situation. And unfortunately with Trout, you're not able to see a lot of that stuff in the postseason. To me, the argument is never going to be close as far as, who would you choose? I understand it's getting closer, but I'm always going to go with Trout just because baseball is not like basketball in the sense mm -hmm. that one player can't impact the game that much. No one pitcher, no one outfielder, no one fielder. Nobody can really impact the game that much, and it's really, really unfortunate that we haven't had these great moments in the postseason, which we just had, and a lot of that is recency bias for bets, and also, Betts is, he's marketable. He has that great million-dollar smile. He, he gets out there, and he's always energetic. Mike Trout may be the most boring star <laughs> of all time in sport. So that's a big part of it, too. But who would I choose? I don't even think there's an argument there, and it's still Mike Trout, and it's going to keep being Mike Trout until he retires. That's that's an all-time player right there. Uh, Andres, he says there is no argument. What do you say to that? Do you agree or disagree? I, look, it's, it's a tough, it's a flip of a coin, honestly. These guys are down in, in, in both of the fields. They know what they're doing. They're both, five, well, Mike Trout is, they use the term, he's a five-tool player. Um, and I know Betts doesn't have the home run numbers that Trout has. Currently, Trout has over 300 home runs. Betts only has 155 home runs. But if you look at their stats, though, or career highlights, uh, Betts has, is a four-time All-Star. He's an AL MVP. He's got the four-time Silver Slugger Award. He's a five-time Gold Glove Award winner. He's been named the Defensive Player of the Year once. Uh, he was the AL batting champion. He was a 30-for-30 30 30 club, and he's here for the cycle. But the one stat that blows my mind, he is a, he, the first player in MLB history to win the most valuable player the Silver Slugger, the Gold Glove, the batting title, and the World Series in the same season. Oh, I, I got to give the edge over him. Compared to Mike Trout, though, not to take anything away from him, he's an eight-time All-Star, three-time AL MVP, two-time MLB first team, AL Rookie of the Year, eight-time Slugger Award winner, uh, two-time AL Hank Aaron Award winner, uh, Defensive Player of the Year Award winner. He... Part of the 30 for 30 club, 
and they both hit for cycles. It's the toss of the coin, man. And I, I want to see, I think Mike Trout will definitely hit 500 home runs when it's all said and done. Mm. They both have above three, uh, 300 batting average. Uh, I don't, if I, you know what, personally, I, I'd have to go with Mookie Betts over Mike Trout solely on the fact that rings is where it's at when it's all said and done. Mike Trout will, will be a for sure Hall of Famer. There's no doubt in my mind. The question is, will he ever have that shiny ring on the, one of his fingers to call it a day? And I don't know if that if he ever will, because <laughs> I don't think they're going to build a team around him in in the Angels organization, unfortunately. So, Betts, to me, he's done it in two different leagues, um, both AL and NL, both champions. So, I'm going to go with Betts if I had to start one. And you know what? Give him whatever he wants. I'm glad that the Dodgers paid him whatever. He deserves it. He's proved it. And you know what? I, I will be forever indebted as a fan to him for witnessing a ring being brought down and memory lane and another pennant being hung up in the rafters at Chavez Ravine. So Mookie Betts would be my player to start a franchise with. Hey, we will. Um, I mean, there's a good chance with Mookie Betts having this long contract uh, we're going to get to see what Flores uh, was talking about in comparison to what Chance was talking about. Flores said that Mookie came into a winning uh, franchise. They had, you know, odds on favorites to win the World Series. Uh, and, you know, Chance said that the system follows him. So there might be some turbulence with the Dodgers maybe in the next uh, fifth or sixth season coming up. Uh, maybe not right now, but in the middle of this long contract, there is going to be some turbulence. So I would like to see how they bounce, you know, how he bounces back, how the Dodgers bounce back under his leadership during that time. Uh, I doubt the Dodgers are going to just keep producing um, World Series runs for the next 12, 13 years, however long Mookie Betts has left on his contract. And, and, and real quick, too, let's, one thing about Mookie Betts that I don't think anybody knows is that he is a professional bowler. Yeah. He's bowled a perfect game. I don't see Mike Trout bowling a perfect game. So, look, I wouldn't want to bet up money against him in a bowling alley, let alone on a baseball diamond. <laughs> so, uh, pound for pound, Mookie Betts versus Mike Trout. They're pretty even on the stat sheet. Flores, pound for pound, over to you. And I'll say one last thing before I get out of it. So, I guess according to Andres, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Bonds, those guys don't come close to Mookie Betts because they've never won a ring, right? Yeah, gotta love it. That ring theory doesn't stand up in baseball, well, for, right? For, That's not for, how you define baseball players. First and foremost, uh, your lovable Barry Bonds. That's that's All right, well, what about Ken Griffey Jr.? He never, went, he never won a World Series, and that guy must suck compared to Mookie Betts, right? right. Look, no, he's got the, he's still in my book yeah, has no way to know Go ahead, so No one's saying that that those dudes don't don't get their their due, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like let's not totally dismiss rings, all right? The reason people slurp Derek Jeter is because he's a winner. All right. So this, like this this notion that rings don't matter at all in baseball, that's a false narrative. All right. I'm not saying Mike Trout's the man. He's always been the man. He's been the man since he came in the league. But I would I would venture to say that his best days are behind him, right? I would say he's a lot more as far as what he can do. Mookie made defensive man made a defensive impact in the World Series, right? He can affect the game in so many different ways. He's already got more stolen bases than Mike Trout, right? So 
I'm just saying, no, no one's dismissing Trout. No, and I, I feel what you're saying, Flo. Like, it, it's definitely rings don't matter or shouldn't matter as much in baseball. But the notion that they don't matter at all, come on, that's false, man. I love Griffey. He's my favorite ball, ball player of all time. But, like, you know, that's why the reason he probably doesn't get the – I mean, Michael C. He doesn't get the love. But, but, you know, people don't slurp him even more than they should is because he doesn't have that all-elusive ring. No, yeah, and that's why I mentioned Griffey, too. I know I know it hit a nice little spot for you. Uh, but, yeah, no, and I also, before I move on, I want to say all three of you guys are huge Dodger fans, so big part of what goes into that. But, anyway, moving on to <laughs> boxing and what happened this weekend. <laughs> I know Pat's cracking up right there. <laughs> guys, I told you guys this Mexican Super Bowl was going to be worth it. Mahomes versus Brady was supposed to be the Super Bowl. It ended up being a dud, but the Mexican Super Bowl delivered. I I don't know if you guys all, I'm sure you guys have all caught the knockout, but I don't know if you guys caught the fight too. Oscar Valdez, I said he was probably going to lose because Burchell was coming in as the bigger guy. Valdez was moving up from the 126-pound weight class up to the 130-pound weight class. He vacated his lower you know, lightweight title to move up, um, his lower featherweight title. And now he is the man at 130 pounds. Why? Because he totally dominated Burchell from the get-go. I don't even know if Burchell remembers anything from rounds four through 10 when he got knocked out in what will be, I'm calling it now, I don't want to put this as a bold prediction because it's going to take me nine months to deliver on it, but this will be the knockout of the year. This is on some Manny Pacquiao getting knocked out by Marquez stuff, which is an all-time legendary knockout for Mexican fight fans and just boxing in general. When Manny Pacquiao went to sleep and the, the first memes I ever saw were created a few years ago, like, I don't know, seven years ago or whatever. But I really hope you guys get a chance to go back. It's on ESPN+. Plus. You can see that whole fight. You can just see the difference in Valdez with Canelo's trainer, Eddie Reynoso, who's making the case to be the trainer of the year. This guy, he, he's broken his jaw before in a fight because he just goes out there and slugs, which is considered the Mexican style where you just stand in front of somebody and throw punches. You don't really move. You don't really box. You don't do the Vasily Lomachenko movement stuff. But he did all of that this fight because he knew he had to against the bigger guy, the stronger puncher, and he absolutely dominated him. He was a huge betting underdog. I put a fucking bet in, but it did not go through because I, you know, I tried to put it in with sufficient time with my bookie, but he must have been busy. And I would have definitely tried my money there, but unfortunately I couldn't. I should have hit on dress up like, bro, I'll let you have half the profits. Just put this bet in for me. But yeah, it just it, it was a 50-50 fight, and the odds didn't show it that way. And sure enough, Valdez, the underdog, took it. Andres, I think you were going to say something? I mean, I, I would have loved to put the bet in. I'm surprised you didn't reach out to me. I would have done right then and there, bro. And I would have, yeah, you gladly, gladly split it with it. You could have rolled the bet too, dude. It was, uh, I think it was minus 600. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, plus 600 for a knockout by Valdez too. So that would have been a lot of money too to put that on that. And Ooh. man, but before the beauty, go ahead, go ahead. Well, real quick, well, I'll let you finish because I want to ask you the, the, the better question when you're done, so go ahead. 
Okay, well, now I'm going to switch over to UFC. And this is what the beauty of this weekend was. Normally, I wouldn't come on here and talk about the fights that just happened last week as my highlight. But the reason why I wanted to is because we got the knockout of the year in boxing. And we got the knockout of the year in UFC this weekend. Derek, the Black Beast, Lewis, the greatest fucking nickname in all of fighting, came out and manhandled Curtis Blades. It was the biggest underdog victory in a in the UFC main event, I think in like 10 years or so. Derek Lewis was a plus 350 underdog, and he actually came through the last time. I, I, again, I think it was somewhere between like 7 to 10 years ago that somebody uh, bigger of an underdog actually won a main event. First round, Curtis Blades is dominating this guy. Curtis Blades heavily favored to beat him. Derek Lewis always... He just kind of lays around. He gets really tired. He doesn't know how to do anything but throw punches, really. That's kind of his M.O. Second round comes around, and, hey, when you're a guy that's trying to take the other guy down, what do you do? You throw yourself at him, you know, kind of like a Bill Goldberg back in the days in in WCW trying to do the spear. (laughs) That's what you do when you're a wrestler, a jiu-jitsu guy, and you're trying to take somebody down. Curtis Blades has the most takedowns in UFC heavyweight history. Derek Lewis has the most knockouts in UFC heavyweight history. So it was like, which style is going to win this fight? Curtis Blades goes in for a takedown in round two early on, and he gets absolutely massacred with an uppercut. It puts him to sleep. It looked like he ran into an electrical fence and just laid and slumped out. And then Irv Dean was, I don't know how many yards away, but he starts running over to stop Derek Lewis. But by that time, Lewis had already pounded him out two more times to the face, and Blades was out cold. So Blades in the UFC got knocked out cold. Burchell in boxing got knocked out cold. Adrian Broner, side note, also won a you know, little iffy of a decision, but nonetheless, he did win. It was a great weekend for combat sports. I can't wait for this weekend. We got Canelo. I'll, I'll go into that in more details later, but combat sports definitely still coming through every Saturday for us fans. Flores, the question I was going to ask you, and I'm glad you brought up the Blades fight, between the two knockouts, which one, in your opinion, was the, the best knockout or the better of the two? I'd say the Valdez one because it was consistent just demolition. He set that up. All that stuff was set up by him consistently beating up Burchell. He knocked him down the round before. I mean, Burchell went to the corner after round nine before the fateful round 10 where he got knocked unconscious. And he got knocked down in round nine. And he was already losing that fight. He had been knocked down earlier. And as soon as he sat down on, at his stool, he told his trainer, Verga, which means, damn, we are fucked <laughs> up. And the trainer's like, no, no, it's still good. Do you want me to throw in the towel? And he's like, no, no, just let it keep going. You know, they're Mexican fighters. Mexicans aren't going to quit in the ring. That's just their, that, that's what they're known for. So he was getting demolished, and Valdez was setting all this up. And at the end of the round, Burchell, similar to Pacquiao, just did a little lazy, you know, pursued Valdez with a couple lazy punches. And Valdez just laid into him with literally all the power he had. And he's not known for knocking him out, as opposed to Derek Lewis, which that's the only thing he can do. So because of that, I got to give it to Valdez. I, I'm i going to watch the fight, I promise. I, I tried, I got distracted, but I'm definitely going to watch it because a lot of different people were texting me about the fight on Saturday. 
uh, Andres, you have um, a headline and it's something that was kind of um, maybe under the radar last night. Why don't you explain to the audience what happened in your world? Um, I guess, you know, your couch action last night. Hey, I, I had some late night late night couch action. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't with a lady. It was just with sports on TV. So and betting <laughs> betting <laughs> simulation. So uh, I did have some money, and I took the Washington Wizards against the LA Clippers when they were down twenty four points. The Lakers I took them straight up to win. Huh? The Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers. Right. That's what I said. Don't ever, ever, ever confuse the Clippers for the Lakers again. Okay. So the, the, the Wizards versus the Lakers, they were down 24. And I took them. I said, you know what? I was going to throw a couple couple $20 on it, get uh, eight to one odds. And they hit. It hit. They came back and won. And they beat the Lakers in overtime. And, you know, this is the second time this past weekend, over the last three days, I should say, where a team was down 24 points, and they came back and won, and that was beneficial on both. The other game was this weekend with the Pelicans versus the Celtics. The first time in Pelicans history when they were down 24 points, and they came back and won. So, And I took them when they were down again. I called this headline the 24 by 2 because <laughs> it happened twice, down 24 I don't know. The NBA in, in today's game is bizarre. You can be down 24 midway through the third and still come back. In the days of Jordan, that would never happen. In the days of Kobe, that would never happen. But it's happening today, maybe because everybody has got can shoot anywhere from the perimeter or, and they just have that hot hand. But it is just astonishing to me to see. And Chance, I hope you can tell me and the audience how that that's even possible down 24, midway through the third, and still come back and win. I mean, you know, the thing about the NBA, man, is uh, the pace of play, uh, unlike any other, you know, basketball that you see out there, is is so much faster, right? And it's already helped by the fact that you you have a 24-second shot clock. Um, And then I would say usually shots are being put up, you know, within anywhere from 10 to 12 seconds within the shot clock. So it's not like it's even going all the way down and then their teams are hoisting up a shot. But, I mean, they always say, man, that the NBA doesn't really start until the third or fourth quarter. Mm. Um, 24 does seem kind of insurmountable. But, you know, especially against the Clippers because they have two pretty good defenders out there and and Patrick Beverly and Kawhi. But, uh, hey, man, you know, hats off to the Wizards. They do have the leading scorer in the league right now, you know, Bradley Bill who's an all-star starter. Um, you know, we all know what Westbrook can do, even though he's kind of, um, he's still in his prime, but, you know, he's not at the peak of his powers, you know, when he was averaging a triple-double each night, Flores. But, you know, I, I, I am shocked more because it's the Clippers, and I'm honestly shocked too because it's the Wizards because they're completely ass. But um, by the, the way, fact it was, they were able it was, to do that. Sean, it was, it was against the Lakers last night, by the way. The Lakers. Oh, it was against the Lakers. Okay. My bad. Okay. But still, they did it against LeBron. They, <laughs> they did it against, you know, a great defender. Um, and, you know, I know they got some guys out with AD and, and Schroeder, but still, man, um, you know, props props to them for, for, for sticking out because it's been a tough year for the Wizards. Well, they, they just wanted and to – And one thing 
one thing real quick about that game that I did want to mention, the one thing that stood out to me and it's been making the rounds on social media, before the game when the uh, Laker network was announcing the Wizards who was going to play for them, you know how they have the picture of all five starters up there and they kind of go through them? For Russell Westbrook, they had his name, but they had a picture of Isaiah Thomas, which everybody is thinking is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and, and shout out Isaiah Thomas, Joe Johnson, everybody for Team USA that handled Mexico this weekend and went 6-0 to in, you know, I think it was a FIBA tournament. So just wanted to shout that out. And you guys go see that video. It's really hilarious because the guy doing the introductions go. I, I mean, Russell Westbrook, it's like he knows that, why the fuck is Isaiah Thomas's picture up there? That but, yeah, kind of hilarious. Go check that out. That's messed up. Uh, the only thing I was going to say was, like, what you said, Chance, like, uh, when, when you're LeBron James, they always, you know, they always come gunning for you. You know, whoever you play, it could be the worst team in the East. They'll come gunning for you. They want to beat you just to, you know, just to get under your skin. And uh, you are the last person on the panel to present your hero or headline. What do you have for us? Yeah, you know, um, quick story, uh, just to add some context. When I was when I was in middle school, I used to think I was a player. Um, side note, <laughs> I was not. I was I was a square. I was far from it. But on my yearbook in seventh grade, I thought I was I, 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 I thought I was a man and I actually had um, you know, I had it imprinted on my yearbook, Matthew the Mac Cosby on my yearbook. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because my headline, Patrick, is Mac and ain't easy. Because Chris Mack, uh, outside of getting blown the fuck out by North Carolina this past Saturday, also had a video where he was with Eric Wood. And Eric Wood is a Louisville grad who used to play for the Buffalo Bills, went to a few Pro Bowls. Um, now is doing some sideline work where they were both drunk and it was after they had beaten Kentucky talking shit about Kentucky. This video came out and then he literally goes to North Carolina and loses by like 40 points. Like it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So Chris Mack, you're not the player that you thought you were like I was in seventh grade. Like I thought I was in seventh grade, I should say. And uh, <laughs> to you, sir, I have to say Mack it ain't easy. Keep your eyes on the prize. And, uh, Hey man, and you better have a good tournament run because if not, Chris Mack's going to be on the hot seat next year. Yeah, next year's going to be year four of his contract, and we haven't really done anything for our basketball. So uh, keep your eyes on the prize, and Mack it ain't easy. Well, and I think we should start listening to the national anthem before we record our podcast. Uh, Flores. Oh. Andres, the weekend starts on Wednesday. Kick it off. What is the action tomorrow? Let us know. We got we got Champions League, Patrick. It's that time of the year. We talked about it two weeks ago. We discussed the Dortmund Sevilla and the Porto Juventus. Porto with that big upset 2-1 against Juventus. Last time we talked about Champions League. And Dortmund with a 3-2 final over Sevilla. Tomorrow, the best game, though, is going to be Atalanta from the Italian Serie A League versus Real Madrid from the Spanish League, La Liga. 12 o'clock kickoff at Atlanta, I think, can pull off the upset based on the fact that Real Madrid, Real Madrid is on a just a bad slump. And Flores, 
I know you're going to be wearing your Atalanta deep blue jersey tomorrow because they've got a Colombian. And who's a Colombian? Luis. They got a, they got a pair of Colombians. Who they not, not even and just Muriel. Duvan Zapata. That's the guy that he's the next guy in line for Colombia. I can't wait for the next World Cup for this guy to showcase himself, for him to come out and take over for Falcao. But for now, Muriel and Zapata are both leading Atalanta in goal scoring. Muriel has 14 so far. Zapata has nine as far as just overall um, in, in games played in Serie A. Obviously, they're also leading this team in the Champions League. If, if they advance past week after the Real Madrid, who fucked Zinedine Zidane, fucked that whole squad. I think Benzema's also out, injured. But I hope, the, I, I always will wish the worst upon Real Madrid going forward because of what they did to my boy James. And this is going to be doubly sweet because Colombians are going to be leading that attack. Both Muriel and Zapata are forwards. And yeah, man, I just can't wait for Atalanta to win this game 3 0. Ooh, okay, Andres. Uh, you know, oh. Yeah, I don't know about three nothing, but the over under is set at three. Atalanta is the favorite minus a half a goal. Uh, the tie is looking nicely at plus two sixty five. Uh, it could go either way. I placing a bet on the tie just to cover my bases uh, and possibly give up the not Atalanta the win. So I'm going to cover the bases. The second game on twelve o'clock two is the Manchester City versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. <laughs> which is a team out of Germany. I say Alachingala, Gladbach. I think Man City has no problem, but takes care of business. They are a goal and a half favorites at minus 125. They should beat them 3 nothing. The over-under is set at 3. I think it stays there. I don't think Borussia uh, has the firepower to at least score one goal. So I like Man City to win by two goals or more, Pat. Man City... Is in fa- is the favorite right now in the can- excuse me in the Premier League? They are in first place. They are unfucking stoppable right now. I don't think anybody's gonna stop them. I don't think your team in Tottenham's gonna stop them. I know my team in fucking Liverpool ain't gonna stop them. And I highly think and believe that Man City can possibly win the whole Champions League tournament because they just have the players, they have the money, and they have a great coach and Pep which I don't really like, but I got to respect them because he knows how to win. So great matches in the European uh, club tournament, the best in the world. That's what I'm watching tomorrow because the weekend starts on Wednesday, Pat. The weekend does Let's start. Pat. Yeah. Yeah, and I know you were getting a little excited and spicy when I said Atalanta by three goals. So I'm going to throw that out as my bold prediction. Not, they may not win 3-0, but they will win by three goals or more. What's up? Is that bold enough? That's very bold. I'll take that for sure. Chance? Yes, sir. That is bold enough for me. So, Atalanta wins by three goals or more, and their best player is named Zapata, and that translates to shoe. Is that correct? Well, Zapato is shoe, but yes, Zapata. I get the female shoot. So, <laughs> I'm down. I'm down for that. I mean, with that reason alone, you know, soccer player being good, last name translates to shoe. Um, I, I accept that bold prediction, Flores. And with the first mention of bold predictions, each bold prediction is worth seven points. First to 21 collects beer. 
from the losers. And right now, the score is all tied at zero. Um, Chance just reset the score by winning it two weeks ago. So um, everybody, good luck this week. Flores, I wrote down your bold prediction. And the parlay that Andres is taking for Wednesday soccer is at Atlanta and Man City. Those are the two teams that he thinks are going to win. And Thomas, our faithful, loyal listener, our dear friend based out of Torrance, California, very close to um, Hawthorne Boulevard today where Tiger Woods got in a car accident. Uh, We are thinking about Tiger Woods. We hope that he recovers well and uh, our thoughts and prayers to him, his family, and friends. But anyways, Thomas, based out of that area, he is one for two right now. His first two parlays, he missed. Last week, he hit. So he needs to hit this week to break 500. Last Wednesday was very exciting. Congratulations, Thomas. This week, Andres, his picks are 2 p.m. He's taking the Hurricanes to beat the Lightning. 4 p.m. He's taking the Flyers to beat the Rangers. 4 p.m. again. He's taking the Maple Leafs to beat the Flames. And 6 p.m. He's taking the Avalanche to beat the Wild. Which one of those teams would blow it for him, based on your knowledge? You know, Pat, the one that I question and the one that I worry if I were him is the Hurricanes over the Lightning, only because I know how fast the Lightning are at home. They they play super fast. They are the defending champs in the NHL after last year's season. So that's the only game that I I question, uh, but I'm rooting for him. I'm glad that he finally got the monkey off his back last week and breaking that spell of uh, Parlay's hitting. I, I should have joined you, Pat. I know you put a little something on it, and mm-hmm. you hit. So I'm rooting for Thomas, but that lightning game is just a little bit scary. If it was me, and it is me, and I'm talking about me as a Cavalier King, <laughs> I'm staying away from that game, and I'm not even touching it with Thomas and Dick. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Last Wednesday was a solid day for me. I ended up winning $60 um, off the soccer games and Thomas's parlay. Thank you, Thomas. Um, Chance. Over to you for Thursday's action. So that concludes Wednesday. Chance, I am reading the ninth-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes traveling into Ann Arbor to play your third-ranked Michigan Wolverines at 4 p.m. Big Ten action Thursday night. Do you have Michigan winning? Man, I don't know. That's going to be a tough game. I know they just eat a close one out. Um, I want to say it was maybe against, not Wisconsin, it was whoever they played this last week. They, it was a close game was, they, that they eked out. It was the Ohio State. There you go. It was Ohio State. There you go. Um, that they eked out. Um, and I know they're, they're, you know, number three in the country. But the thing about Iowa, man, is they have, you know, arguably the player of the year, Luca Garza, who's pretty much averaging 24.7 and eight and a half rebounds right now. Um, odds on favorite, in my opinion, to probably win Big Ten Player of the Year, first team All-American, definitely going to play at the next level. Um, but Michigan is tough. I mean, they're 16-1, and 11-1 uh, in conference. I will remarkably still top 10, but has six losses on a season, five of those coming within the conference. Um, I really think Jawan Howard, Patrick, doesn't get the due that he deserves as a head coach. Um, this is a guy who probably, in my opinion, is, is probably the, I don't say the smartest, but the most the most ready and the most likely to be, have been a coach out of that five, Fab Five team and really mm-hmm. out of those three Fab Five guys who played in the NBA with him, Jalen Rose and Chris Weber. Um, 
Michigan also, Patrick, has three incoming McDonald's All-Americans next year. So he's doing something right when it comes to recruiting. And by right, I mean maybe he's dropping the bag. Maybe he's giving each one of those guys 25 grand to just come to Michigan and play for a year. That being said, said, I do do see the Wolverines, Patrick, prevailing in this game. Um, I see them actually beating this team by double digits. So I'm going to go and say that the Michigan's probably going to cover – Cover the spread and beat Iowa by at least 10. Is that your bold prediction for the week? Uh, it's not my bold prediction only because I don't know what the spread is, but I know it's got to be closer than 10. Andres, are you going to accept him smearing Iowa's name in mud? <laughs> uh, you know, it is, it is a tractor challenge. You know how much we love our tractor parties in the state of Iowa. Um I, look, Michigan, I saw them play well against Ohio State. They did what they needed to do. This team can definitely score points at, at a whim, and they also can clamp down and just play stifling defense. Uh, this is probably going to be the best game of the week, considering this is a top-10 matchup. Uh, man, Iowa, they've, they've looked a little shaky in the last couple of games. They've struggled against teams like, yeah. like Penn State, Wisconsin, um, and even Rutgers earlier a couple weeks ago, Michigan has just um, been on cruise control. I don't. I, I look as much as I love Luca Garza, as much as I love Iowa. I think they can compete. I'm going to go with Chance. I think Michigan is doing something right. I think uh, Juwan Howard has got them believing in the system. They are my dark horse to to win it all. Um, and that's not even fair to say a dark horse because they are favorites, but I think they, yeah, I think they beat them. I, I don't know if they beat them by 10. I think it'll come close to that, but, uh, I think they beat them no problem. And they take care of it at the big house in uh, Michigan. You, so you and Chance now are calling Michigan to win the entire tournament, just so you know, cause he said that last week. So let's see which one of you guys. I mean, look, I, I'm not. I'm just. I'm not saying that. I. I think they're my dark horse to win it. I, I haven't said or stated who's who's my favorite to win it. Um. I. You know. Unfortunately, Pat and everybody else. You know. We all. Went, you and I went to LMU. We. Gonzaga is in our conference. We've seen the likes of the Mustache Man and uh, Morrison back in the day. And I think this is unfortunately their year. I think they may have a, a strong chance of winning it all. Uh, and Mark Few finally gets that monkey off his back and puts them on a bigger map. So to me, it's either going to be Gonzaga or Michigan to win it all. So I, I haven't made the final decision. I think once March comes around and the tournament is near, uh, I'll have a better idea of who I'm going to pick. Well, Chance, to answer your question about what is Juwan Howard doing, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, they are wearing the Jumpman Jordan brand, correct? They are, yeah. They're one of the schools, along with Oklahoma, some of those other schools that are that are Jumpman affiliated. Georgetown, correct. That you know, sometimes that's all it takes is uh, you know some flashy gear. And uh, listen, sorry, Pat. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I was I was just going to say, you know, one people one thing people don't realize, um, just because you know college basketball, especially for probably most of our listeners. Uh, because we are based on the West Coast, and, you know, we also have that international flavor. Uh, most of our listeners, uh, you know, probably don't 
you know, tune into college basketball that much or follow recruiting. But a lot of these guys, like if they're an AAU, Nike AAU team or high school team, you know, that's going to determine where that's going to play a part. I'm not saying about a huge part, but it's definitely going to play a part in where they go to school. So don't think that, you know, every little edge to your point, Patrick, that, you know, have, having that Jordan brand affiliation matters. I mean, there's a reason why other schools like Florida and Oklahoma you know, are doing that, mm-hmm. right? Because they know how kids perceive Jordan brand much better than fucking like a Under Armour. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'll they, speak to that, Sean. I'll speak to that because I wasn't a big believer in this. And, you know, you literally nailed it right on the head. Um, hit the head, however the saying goes, hit the nail right on the head. Because UCLA was Under Armour and they were underperforming forever. And they just made the switch over to Jordan. And guess what? It was just announced this week that five-star hoops prodigy Amari Bailey announced that he is going to UCLA. So, again, who knows if that's a reason why, but it's no coincidence is what I will say. Jordan Brand brings a lot of players to these schools also because, hey, I get to have as many Jordans as I want if you think about it. And it's just it's cool to be affiliated beyond what goes on under the table and all that stuff. It's just a whole lot cooler to be affiliated with Jordan brand than it is with weak ass Steph Curry under armor shoes. <laughs> Speaking of remaining cool, Flores, Thursday night, you have a cool matchup. You are looking at Zion Williamson for the Pelicans, switching over to the NBA, taking on Giannis Antetokounmpo for the Milwaukee Bucks. That game's at 6.30 p.m., why should we be watching this game, Flores? Sell it. Zion, I mean, you said it right there. There's nothing else to mention about this game other than you get Zion and you get Giannis. Today, Giannis was called for one of the weaker technical fouls of the season. He dunked all over Carl Anthony Towns and gave him a little mean mug after and was called for a technical. You guys are probably going to see that all over Sports Center over the next couple of days, but. Dude, I mean, I'm not the biggest Giannis fan, but if you can say that a back-to-back MVP is underrated, you can definitely say that about Giannis. I mean, the guy's averaging 28.4, 11.9 rebounds, 5.9 assists. He's leading his team in all three of those statistics. Their record isn't, you know, the top two in the East like it's been over the last couple years, but he's doing his thing. And Zion just got announced as his first All-Star birth uh, as the All-Star reserve today. Lonzo Ball still on the team. Brandon Ingram still has an outside chance of making the team because Anthony Davis was also one of those All-Star reserves. And we all know that he's not going to be partaking in that because of his injury. So who's going to be the guy that comes in as the backup reserve for the West? A lot of snubs were out there. Mike Conley, a lot of people mention his name, but Brandon Ingram is also a player that you got to throw in there, baby Kevin Durant. But Zion, just the highlights that he's had this year, that guy is... The Pelicans have the two strongest players in the NBA. I don't want to say Zion is the strongest player in the NBA because Steven Adams is still the strongest player in the NBA. No question about that. There is literally no doubt about that when it comes to who is the strongest player. But Zion is right there, man. That guy absolutely bullies people. 
They came back against the Celtics, and he was bullying. He bullied Tristan Thompson so bad. He just put his shoulder right into Tristan Tristan Thompson's chest and just backed him down, backed him down, threw him on the floor, and then dunked all over him. Zion is averaging 25 (laughs) points a game. The kid has played less than 60 games in, in his NBA career, and he's already showing signs of being a true stud. The Pelicans are right on the outside of the playoffs, but they can always make a run second half of the season. Lonzo Ball is getting his stuff together. His threes are falling like never before in his career. He's averaging five assists a game, leading the team, which is still less than Giannis, which is crazy when you think about it. But the Pelicans doing their thing. The Bucks have continued to do their thing. This is on TNT. We all love that Charles Barkley, Shaq, Kenny Smith, grouping too so make sure you tune in after the game to watch that as well andres are you taking zion to win on thursday is that your money train thursday night i i was just gonna state if i think this game could be my um bold prediction but i don't know if i'm gonna get the okay from everybody look you're talking about not only is the pelican team but i i heard coach k coach sasaki is gonna be coaching this because it's duke part two considering the players on this team, Williamson, who went to Duke, Ingram, who went to Duke, my boy, J.J. Redick, who went to Duke. And <laughs> Flores, on top of the softest technical there was, I think J.J. Redick being tossed out for throwing the basketball to the referee. Mind you, he didn't even throw it at him. He just rolled it and then got kicked out on Saturday the game. I thought that was complete bullshit. This is going to be a great game. I hate Giannis so much. I think he is such a soft guy. I'm hoping Williamson can go in hard to the paint and show them what it's, what it's like to be a big guy. I think the Pelicans pull this victory out because I just, oh, I fucking hate uh, Giannis so much. I, they, they fucked me every which way possible last year in many games when I've taken them, so I know never to bet with them or against them. I just stay away. Um, I'm not going to put any money on this, but I, I do like the Pelicans' chances to win this game. What is your bold prediction that you mentioned? I was just going to say that the Pelicans win by 10 or more. I'll take that. That's that's bold enough. It's the first round of bold predictions. That may not hold up on a final round prediction, but I'll, I'll, I'll take that for the first round of it. Chance? Uh, sure, yeah, I'll take it. 10? Yeah, Drew Holiday's out, so, you know, it's not the full Bucks team, but... Hey, Middleton's been killing it this year still, and I just mentioned all the Giannis stuff, so yeah, I'll take it. I accept that bull prediction, Andres. Good luck to you. Um, moving along, right along into Friday, Chance. Um, this is the game that Flores said that he must discuss. It is the Suns sitting at 20-10, and 10, doing very well in the Western Conference, taking on the Chicago Bulls, who have been on a little bit of a uh, winning streak or winning back to old winning ways. So Friday night, 5 p.m., the Bulls are on the outside looking in to the last playoff spot. So it's starting to get really, really intense. Do you think Devin Booker can beat the Bulls on Friday night, Chance? That, that the Bulls can't win, um, and I'm happy. Honestly, the I'm happy for a lot of the, the All Stars. I'm happy for Zion. I mean, he deserved it. It would have been a travesty if he wasn't on there. Happy for my man Donovan Mitchell with what he's done in Utah. 
um, you know, getting back-to-back all-star years. And there's probably no one who I'm happier for than Zach Levine. I've always been a Zach Levine fan. Um, you know, I've always thought that his skill set was unique. He's tall, he's athletic, he's, you know, he's got his shot down. But I think he was always characterized unfairly as kind of like a, you know, uncoachable player. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad to see him getting the shine. That being said, the reason I think the Suns will win this game is because of rebounding. The Bulls' rebound, leading uh, rebounder right now is Thaddeus Young, and he's averaging six rebounds a game. Now, I understand Laurie Marketing's <laughs> out, and he probably – he, he, he probably would be, you know, would be, you know, a beast in the, in the paint. But I think when you look at DeAndre Ayton averaging 12, and then you add in Chris Paul, Devin Booker, uh, you know, Bridges off the bridge. They got they got Patrick's, one of Patrick's favorite March Madness players, Frank the Tank, Kaminsky. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that I think that this Phoenix Suns team is going to come away victorious. But I would not be surprised if, if Flores is Bulls come out on top. They are playing home. They are playing good right now. Um, they've come a long way since the start of the season where they struggled in Zach Levine. I mean, dude, he's averaging 28.6 and shooting 52% from the field. So, I mean, he's, he's balling right now. So, would not be surprised if the Bulls won, Patrick, but I'm picking the Suns. Flores. Yeah, what I'll say about this one is take the Bulls with the points. I mean, they may be given I don't know, three, four, even up to five points on this one. It, it also might only be like two points that they're given on this game. But I really doubt that they'd be favored here. I took them against the Rockets. They were only a one-point favorite, and the Rockets had Oladipo out and Wood out, and their only star player was John Wall. And I'm like, dude, the Bulls have been cruising. They just smashed the team. They've been doing what they've been doing. Lavina's pushing to get this all-star recognition. Billy Donovan has turned this fucking franchise around. They've won so many games that they would have lost last year, and they've been in games that they've unfortunately lost this year that they would have been blown out in last year. They're 14 and 16. Like you said, they're only a couple games away from the freaking Knicks in the East. So (laughs) I love that they're doing what they're doing. Kobe White is a stud. Him and Levine, I think I mentioned this last week or a couple weeks ago, were the first players in the NBA history to be teammates and have more than eight three-pointers in the game. Are these the new Splash Brothers? We never know because these guys can light it up. Levine can light it up. We, We know from the inside when he's dunking it, and now we know he's a definite stud shooter. They have bigs. I know Chance mentioned some of the rebounding stuff. They have Wendell Carter, Thaddeus Young. They have bigs, but they're playing a different style. It's working out. They're doing what they're doing. Phoenix, dude, if you think about it, Phoenix wins the next two games and they have the same record as the Lakers, and they're fourth in the West right now. They could be a top three Western Conference team. Devin Booker did not get named as an all-star game reserve, he might actually be the guy that gets it when uh, Anthony Davis gets, you know, taken off of the roster. So Devin Booker will still probably be in the all-star game, but Devin Devin Booker versus Zach Levine. We talked about the Mexican Super Bowl this last weekend. This is now the shooting guard Super Bowl, I think, of this week because both of these guys are young studs coming up, trying to make a name for themselves. Which one of them is going to pull this game out? I will take the Bulls with the points, and shit, I'll take the Bulls to win outright, too. 
you know, um, the Bulls doesn't surprise me. And they got two guards from the best colleges out there. You know, Colby White from North Carolina, Zach Levine from UCLA. They're clicking. They're gelling. And um, since you mentioned a little bit about betting, I want to go over to Andres for the next game. So that's the first game to kick off Friday night, 5 o'clock. Andres, I know how you bet. I know how you think. I know everything about your heart when it comes to sports. And you're looking at the Blazers sitting at 18 and 12, coming into LA, taking on the limping Lakers, sitting at 22 and 10. Are you taking the Blazers with the points Friday night or to outright win? Um, you know, it, I, I, what I don't understand is LeBron's minutes. Um, he's, I know he's going to carry the team. He's already said that he wants to play as much as he can, and he's, but he's putting up like 38 minutes a game, man, and you got to rest him. But the fact that AD is out, Caruso's still limping a little bit. I know he played the other night. Yes, Pat, I probably will take the the Blazers with the points. But more importantly, though, what I like more is the over because I don't think there's going to be any defense, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over, whatever it's gonna be. So I'm taking the over. More importantly, on that game because there's no defense. Everybody's hurt for the Lakers. Old man LeBron James is just you know struggling and, and getting tired, and he's taking all the shots in the world, and he's not hitting a lot of them. So he's going to have to rely on his bench. Um, but, you know, you got Dame Lillard, and you've got the the wonderful, the skinny Carmelo Anthony who's been <laughs> lining it up. So I'm going to go with the, the Blazers and the over and taking the, and taking the points. I love it. I'm probably not going to do that because I have a bold prediction to present to you guys. Um, <laughs> I have a bold prediction to present to you guys, but this will be after um, Sunday's game. So just keep that in mind. I still have one coming. And uh, we're going to get into Saturday and Sunday after this quick message from our sponsor. Uh, give me a ring-a-ding-ding on that bell, please. Thank you, because this is the sound of bells at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, primetime, in-state rivalry game, college basketball, in the great state of Texas. I don't know what the weather is going to be like, but I thank God it ain't going to be snowing on the hardwood floors indoors when this basketball game is being taking place. Texas Longhorns, number 14, versus the number 18 team in the country in the Texas Tech Red Raiders. There's going to be a shootout. There's going to be a great game. They're one sitting at 14 and 6 at Texas Longhorns, and the Red Raiders sitting at 14 and 8. A lot of line, a lot of stake on the line. A fight for a Big 12 championship, a spot at a better seating, and, but more importantly, who gets the claim that they're the best in all of Texas? Pat, I don't know who to take yet, but I think I'm going to take uh, Shaka and Texas Longhorns to beat Texas Tech. I expect a low-scoring game because I think defenses will come down to it. Who do you got, Pat? Uh, to be the man, you have to beat the man, and the man is still Texas Tech. Texas Tech was the university to dethrone Rock Chalk Jayhawks two years ago in the regular season tournament. I'm sorry, in the regular season schedule and in the Big 12 tournament. Texas Tech ended Kansas's 12-year reign, 12 years of being the kings of the Big 12. Texas Tech 
went on to play in the finals. I know that was two years ago, and I know a lot has changed, and I know Shaka Smart has finally righted the ship. I'm still taking Texas Tech Red Raiders to win in a slight margin by four points or less. That's just me Saturday morning. Um, and then I have a couple other games. So, Andres, you are taking the Longhorns, correct? I'm taking the Longhorns, yes, sir. Okay, so then after that game, just a couple noteworthy games. One o'clock is the 11th ranked Florida State Seminoles taking on my North Carolina Tar Heels, who are sitting at 14 and seven, coming off their big victory as um, Chance mentioned against Louisville Cardinals. Chance, we will share that $20 bottle of champagne. Don't worry about that. You'll get a taste of the winnings. So I keep that in mind. And then going over to you, Chance. 3 p.m., Louisville at Duke. What are your thoughts, Chance? Talk to us. Uh, well, if you, if you listen to the first part of the show, you know how my thoughts are on Chris Mack. <laughs> Not too high on the guy, never have been. Um, you know, I think Mack is dead. And frankly, Duke is hot right now. Um, they've won a few games in a row. Um, they're trying to make a run into the conference or to, into the March Madness tournament. Um you know they 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 pretty much beat Syracuse. The big the big win that they had was against Virginia, um, a ranked Virginia team, and they beat them by one point at home. And they're they're going to want to exact some revenge on Louisville Patriot because we beat them at home this year. Um, again, I don't trust Chris Mack, so I am not expecting my Louisville Cardinals to, be, to prevail and win this game Saturday 3 p.m. against the Duke Blue Devils. Okay, so I'm sure. So, I'm- Josh, real quick. Is there, is there no, we can't have a little friendly wager on this game? I know you lost last weekend, so I don't want to make it two in a row and, and ruin it. So I was hoping to get a small wager in with you because you know my love for Duke. You know my love for Coach K. I even got the Blue Devil costume hanging up in my closet that I'll wear that day. But uh, <laughs> I, I think we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm, dude, I'm so, like, like, I'm just so drained of Louisville sports right now for so many reasons. But what I will say is, is that, uh, yeah, we can make a friendly rate wager. If, if Duke wins, you let me know what you want. And if Louisville wins, then you can just buy me up this uh, six-pack of the Pacifico. There you go. We'll, we'll make it easy. How about just a six-pack in general whatever of whatever? How about that? A nice six-pack. I love it. Just do it. There you go. All right. <laughs> You might owe him two six-packs, Andres, because he still has to collect from his bold predictions when Conor McGregor lost. Now, moving on to Saturday night, I have a hot bet coming in. Baylor is undefeated. Baylor Bears cruising into Kansas, taking on the Jayhawks, who are 17th. I think Kansas hands them their first loss of the season. Kansas is um, upset that Texas Tech dethroned them of their title Andres, do you think Baylor wins or loses on Saturday night? Oh, man, I don't know. Baylor struggled today. They had a tough time with Iowa State. They pulled up the victory, Pat. I don't think – I no, I don't think they'll have an issue. I think tonight they overlooked tonight's game against Iowa State, thinking that it would be a cakewalk uh, for, for Don looking forward into playing Kansas. So I think because they got over this hump, I think Baylor takes care of business and disrupts and makes Kansas wishing that they were never even entering into Baylor. Well, let it be known. 
audience, listeners, gentlemen on this lovely panel, I am taking Kansas to hand Baylor their first loss of the season. Mark it, chalk it up, it's going down. And then Saturday, 7 p.m., Pac-12 after dark, the primetime special. Flores' very own UCLA Bruins, 16-5, and having a remarkable season, going into Colorado, taking on the Colorado Buffaloes, sitting at 17-7. and That's going to be a great game. My heart says UCLA wins. Colorado has a good record. I still haven't made up my mind if who I'm taking. I'm definitely going to root for UCLA. Flores, what do you say about that game before going into your boxing match? I'm going to just say UCLA, baby, all day, eight clap. <laughs> eight clap one time. Okay, so what's going on Saturday night <laughs> in the boxing ring? All right, so I'm going to just recap a couple of different fights before we get into this nice little special juicy main event. Real quick, UFC has a fight night. Just like last week, I told you guys these big boys were going at it. We have two heavyweights going at it again. Cyril Gane from France versus Jardino Rosenstreich. Both of them have some pretty good wins. Jardino's beat Alexander Overeem, Arlovsky, Dos Santos over the last couple years. He's 11-1. The other dude, the French Gane, is undefeated. So if anything, just tune in to see these big boys go at it, to see if you guys get to catch a huge, huge knockout like what happened last week. And also on the undercard in the prelims, we have a Colombian girl, Sabina Maso, going up against, uh, damn, my page just changed, Alexis Davis from Canada. So I'm also tuning in to watch my Colombian Sabina, see what she could do. She's 9-1, and one and she's favored to win the fights. Now, going over to some boxing, baby. This is where we're at. We have a great, great, great Saturday of boxing. And, guys, this starts at 1.30 in the morning. If you're up drinking all night Friday and you're like, <laughs> fuck, I can't go to sleep for whatever reason, tune in at 1.30 for the main event on The Zone out of New Zealand. We have Joseph Parker versus Junior Fox. Joseph Parker is a legitimate heavyweight He's only lost twice. His two losses are to Anthony Joshua in 2018 and then to Dillian White four months later. Dillian White, recognized, is also a top contender. He's been trying to fight uh, Deontay Wilder forever. He's the guy that got knocked out in one of the most surprising knockouts last summer that I talked to you guys about, but he got hit by the the upper by Povetkin, which they're doing a rematch in a couple months that just got postponed recently. But Joseph Parker, he's the only guy that beat Andy Ruiz before Andy Ruiz lost to Joshua in the rematch. So this guy, he's one of those top six, top seven heavyweight guys. Definitely tune in for that if you guys are up Saturday at 1.30 in the morning. My fight might be on at like around 2, 3 a.m. But hey, if you can't sleep, if you're up for whatever reason, something to watch. At night, though, at night, now we're talking about Saturday night. We have on Fox a PBC card, a PBC coming off of the great Adrian Broner matchup that they had this weekend. They had about 350,000 viewers tune into that, which was not bad given how many other boxing fights were going on at the same time. But Anthony Durrell versus Tyrone Davis is a super middleweight fight. Anthony Durrell is also a legitimate contender. He's only lost two times. He's lost to David Benavidez, who's another guy that Canelo will have to face in that super middleweight division if he wants to be the king there. 
and to Badu Jack, who Badu Jack for years was one of the top guys. Uh, he most recently fought on that Mike Tyson undercard in Badu Jack. So this guy, Darrell, he's a main fighter. And guess what his last win was? His last win came in February of 2019 against a guy by the name of Avni Yildirim. Why is Avni a name that you should know? It's because that's who is facing the king of boxing, the king of all combat sports, Canelo Alvarez from Miami, Florida, on the zone Saturday night. Canelo's going for fighter of the year this year, guys. He just fought a couple months ago in December. He's already had this fight scheduled. He already has another fight scheduled in May. He's He's a minus 10,000 favorite to win this fight, meaning you have to bet 10,000 to win 100. For us <laughs> broker people, you have to bet $1,000 just to win $10. That's how favorite Canelo Alvarez is to beat this guy, Avni, this Turkish super middleweight. He was the, the guy that was scheduled to face him. I think it's for the WBA belt. So it's not like Canelo just picked a random guy. He was going to be stripped of the WBA belt if he didn't fight Abney, so he's taking the fight. But he's looking to fight in May. He's looking to fight again, I believe, in September, probably again in December. He's trying to just clean out the division, be Caleb Plant. He's probably going to face Billy Joe Saunders in May. Billy Joe Saunders and Caleb Plant are the two top guys in that division. Canelo just beat Caleb Smith, who was the other top guy in that division in last December. So he's looking to clean everybody out. If he goes through this gauntlet of fighters this year, which starts this Saturday, he will have a case that nobody can compete with for fighter of the year. Canelo is really looking to make a name for himself this year. And honestly, I was having this argument with a couple friends this week. This is already the greatest Mexican fighter of all time over Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Or, I'm sorry, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., definitely not Jr., over Juan Marquez, over a lot of these different Mexican fighters. Canelo has already reached peaks that they never reached, and he's only building on that. So make sure you guys tune in to watch Canelo absolutely demolish this guy on the zone from Miami Saturday night. So what if you put $100? You win a penny? You win a dollar. You win a dollar. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll do that because nobody else is going to give me a dollar. Andres, you going to give me a dollar? Uh, absolutely not. See? I'm afraid he might, he might split or something or get the cut and then I lose $100 or something. No, it's not worth it. It's not worth, it. It's not worth the squeeze on the juice. Chance, do you think Canelo wins or knocks him out? <laughs> I mean, dude, if he doesn't knock him out, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everybody get ready. Everybody get ready. Get get ready because you know you're going to want to watch it because it's Canelo. No matter how favorite he is, you're going to want to watch that fight. Um, you know, the Angelinos are going to be busy on Saturday night watching that UCLA game. I'm telling you that UCLA basketball game is going to be a good game. And then Canelo representing for the Mexicans. Uh, moving into Sunday morning, don't stay up too late Saturday. You can stay up all night on Friday. Apparently um, Flores plans on staying up for whatever reason to watch New Zealand um, boxing going down into Saturday morning. And uh, Andres, what are you watching Sunday morning before you go to church? Before I go to church, I'm going uh, hockey, baby. Sunday morning, nothing better than watching the Boston Bruins versus the New York Rangers. The Bruins played well over the weekend in Lake Tahoe. Uh, Pasternak, 
had, I don't know if you guys saw it, but he was wearing these really kick-ass, wide glasses, the neon pink uh, snowboarder glasses, like the 80s, looking like some uh, yuppie who was just having a great weekend uh, <laughs> in his yacht uh, at, in Lake Tahoe. But uh, the Bruins are on fire. They're 11-3-2. and two. The Rangers and the Bruins are one of the, the original eight teams in hockey, so it's always a fun rivalry to watch. But, my God, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think Boston handles this scandal and just smashes on the Rangers. That's it, huh? That simple? They're going to score seven goals like on Sunday in Tahoe? I don't know if they'll score seven. Um, I think they'll score four, four or five, but seven's a lot. I don't know about all that. <laughs> All right, there you have it. I will probably go with the Rangers just because Andres is so into the Bruins right now. And uh, Chance, over to you, 12.30 p.m. We're switching to the NBA, the Clippers versus the Bucks. I'm just going to outright say it. I think the Clippers win on Sunday afternoon. What about you? Yeah, I do too. Even though they're away, they're playing Milwaukee at home, and I'm sure this is a game that the Giannis, Chris Middleton, and the Bucks are going to be up for. But they're miss- they're missing a key piece, and that's Drew Holiday, one of the best, I would say, two way players in the league. A great offensive player who can create his own shot, a distributor, and he plays great on ball defense. But I just this Bucks team, man, I just. Uh, I'm just not sold on them. A lot of people, Patrick, see this or peg this matchup as a potential finals matchup. <laughs> and I can definitely see the Clippers making a run. I just can't see the Bucks coming out of the East, especially now with the juggernaut that we have with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving um, over with the uh, the Brooklyn Nets. So uh, I see the Clippers winning this game. And my, my bold prediction is going to be this. I, I think the Clippers are going to uh, beat the Bucks by 25. 25. I really do. Five. Wow, 25 on the road. I'll take that. I'll take that bold prediction. I'll take that for sure. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yes, I accept that bold prediction. Uh, good luck, Chance. Oh shit! Now, now we're talking. Um, as as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the Angelinos are going to be busy this weekend, and I am an Angelino, and I am a Lakers fan. So my bold prediction is going to start on Wednesday, gentlemen, and end on Sunday. I am predicting the Lakers win Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Sunday, 5 p.m., they are hosting the Warriors. Is that bold enough for you guys? Because the Lakers have been playing like shit. So winning these three playoff-bound teams, Andres, start with you. Uh, Come on, you know, bro. Everybody, everybody zeroes. I'm going to say, yeah, it's bold enough just to be nice. Jesus. It's the Lenten season. I'll be nice. Flores. Yeah, I I feel kind of bad because normally I would shut that down and ask for some points at least on some of the games because Golden State still is at the absolute bottom of that um, of that playoff potential. But, you know, you had you had a great week this week, Pat. You know, with everything going down, congrats to you. So I'll, I'll let you do it. I'll let it slide. <laughs> Thank you. And Chance? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and let that slide as well. Yeah, you know, and as Flores said, this is the first round of bull predictions. 
Um, I'll be honest with you guys. They might lose tomorrow, and my bold prediction could get shot right from the jump. But, Thomas, don't think I forgot about you, motherfucker. I'm taking your parlay, and you better you better pay off this week. Now, those are all the games this weekend from Wednesday to Sunday. We will bring to you our scumbags of the night right after this. It would be like, Patrick, it'd be like if you had a fake chance, a fake Patrick, a fake Flores, and a fake Andre. Like, it wouldn't work. The scumbag of the night segment, everybody's favorite part of the show, it seems. I'm going to start it off this week uh, going into a guy that I don't even know who actually named him uh, scumbag this year, just based off some of his play, based off some of the things that how we talked about him. But the Cam Newton situation that happened this week with one of the kids at his camp, I'm not necessarily naming anybody the scumbag for that. What I am, if I am saying anybody is the scumbag there, it's some of the public for some of the ways that they view that. Now, don't get me wrong, a lot of the NFL players came not necessarily to Cam's defense, but more so to attacking the kid, which I get their point of view because they see and hear that all the time. And the kid who's, um, whose name I can't, Mind. Um, but nonetheless, he's a kid, so you don't want to put his name on blast. Um, but also, the one thing to, you know, talk your talk. Don't get me wrong. Talk your talk, young man. But the part that I didn't like is when he said, to Cam's face, your ass. <laughs> but yeah, call him, say that he's going to be broke. If Cam Newton is saying I'm rich and throwing that in your face, he'll be like, yeah, you're going to be broke. But then he stepped over the line and said, your ass. And that part, I'm like, ah, all right. Now that might be stepping over the line a little bit. But the way that this kid was essentially vilified for talking his talk, you go anywhere, anywhere, when there's sports involved and there's highly competitive and highly talented individuals, which all these kids at this camp are. It's not like they're just kids that showed up there. Like, Justin Fields has been part of these teams that play there. Deshaun Watson has been part of these teams that play there on the 7-on-7 camp that Cam Newton holds. So these kids that show up there are talented. So just completely vilify this kid for talking his talk, for talking smack. I just think a lot of the public is the scumbag there for that. But at the same time, I understand how that kid did cross the line a little bit. And Cam Newton obviously was pushing those buttons too, throwing it in the face of anybody that you're rich is kind of a little bit scumbaggy. So a little bit of blame to throw at everybody. <laughs> Nonetheless, it was a funny situation that is going to follow Captain around amongst all the other things forever. <laughs> I was, um, I was shocked that Cam Newton's, um, first response to somebody telling him that he's a free agent and that he's ass is that I'm rich because <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, it's not, I don't know, maybe he was caught off guard and that was the first thing that he can think of, but telling somebody I'm rich does not really say that, you know, I don't know. I think it was a weak response, but you're right. All these adults going after the kid. That was his time to shine. Um, maybe Cam Newton should have challenged him to like a, a race or something, make it playful, be like, all right, you think you think you can talk shit? Let's go at it right now. You well, know, he did. He, he did in a way. He, he, there's another video of him like, telling the kid, well, what's up? Where can I see where you're at? 
what have you done? Let me see what you can do in the kids. Like, you can see my stuff on YouTube. So the kids seem to have better trash-talking abilities than Cam Newton. Again, I don't know if we caught him off guard what it may be, but I can just imagine somebody saying that to Muhammad Ali or to Conor McGregor or to The Rock, somebody that is one of these quick-witted comeback kings of talking smack, they would have put that kid in their place. But Cam Newton, you know, he resorted to the douchebag in the club in Beverly Hills thing of, I'm rich. What the fuck else is there to say? So Cam... Step your game up when you're talking smack. Come on. <laughs> and uh, talking smack. Right. Oh, go ahead, Chance. No, I was just saying, Jimmy the Stat Boy brought me the name. His name is J. Seth Owens. So thank you, Jimmy. And plus, you know, Flores, with all due respect, Cam Newton, if that's his biggest comeback, you know why he said that? Because he's not a fucking champion. You said the likes of Muhammad Ali, a champion. Conor McGregor, a champion. Even The Rock, a WWE champion. So Cam Newton can't talk shit anyway. So, you know, fuck him. <laughs> I was just going to say, Andres, um, the one person that I know will talk shit, even when you're old and gray in your 80s, you're going to talk shit to them for bringing you the wrong fruit cup in the nursing home. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. And I'll make sure that, uh, like, in the words of Bob Knight, uh, when I die, make sure you flip me over so that way you can kiss my ass when six feet underground too. So, <laughs> who is your scumbag on dress? Well, speaking about um, you know underground and everything else and sand and talking shit, it happens to be the country of Qatar. And for those who don't know, I know Flores had no idea what I was talking about pre-show, but Qatar is actually hosting the beach volleyball. Uh, tournament championship, the FIVB World Tour. First time ever it's being hosted in this country. And those that are no, are unaware of Qatar, they are a very Muslim country. Uh, but, you know, beach women's volleyball, they do have to wear bikinis mm. uh, because it's fucking hot and 85 degree, 90 degree weather in hot sand to do their job. So they said... The country said, look, you can, we can, we're going to host a tournament here in Qatar, but you cannot wear bikinis. And that <laughs> sent a very bad message, what? not only to the men across the world, but to the women players themselves. The German national team, the stars, Carla Berger and Julia Sud, uh, are refusing to participate in the beach volleyball tournament. And because it restricts them from actually competing and you know what? They're absolutely right. It's it's awful. They came on the stated that it is not about wearing little. It's about not being able to do our job in our work clothes. So I'm with you, ladies. You know, Me Too movement, women movement. I want to see you guys fucking kick ass in your little thongs and bikinis. You deserve to play well. <laughs> so fuck guitar. You know, I'm so against this Middle Eastern countries even hosting the World Cup coming up because... There's no alcohol. The Brazilian women can't be scantily clad. Fuck. It's just a nightmare. So to me, as a fan, I want people to play during their best performances. I don't care if they're wearing skimpy thongs, long pants, whatever is in their favor, they should do it. And you know what? Shame on the beach volleyball committee to even allowing this to happen. I'm sure more women are coming out to say because it's going to be fucking hot. You play beach volleyball in the sand, it's going to be hot. I don't want to be wearing pants. I don't even wear pants now, and it's fucking hot in L.A. So don't give me the shit, Qatar. Fuck you guys. 
I hate you guys. So they're my scumbags of the night. How the hell did Qatar get to host a volleyball tournament on the beach? And these are like the attire is against their religion. Uh, I don't know, but you know what the crazy thing is, I just I'm reading the stats right now, and Jimmy, thank you for bringing me up and making my eyes look at the right stats. There is since Qatar is actually hosting this World Cup, six thousand five hundred migrant workers have died for hosting this World Cup because they've been working labor practices and fucking around the clock in this extreme heat. So, you know what? I wish all the women in the beach volleyball tournament circuit cancel the whole thing and say, fuck it, we're not playing. We want to go play somewhere else, like the Bahamas or something, to compete. Chance, have you ever played beach volleyball? Is that is that Chance that just fell off, or was it somebody else? I don't know where you're going to ask. I have, I have. Oh, there you, you go, Chance. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I have. I have played. I have played. I played beach volleyball. Uh, I actually played uh, most recently in the Dominican Republic a few years back. Oh. So I was down there kicking ass, taking names with my brethren. Um, so <laughs> you know, I, I feel you. I feel you, Andres, uh, on on why like does it even make sense, or how does it like even come about that a country like Qatar could host something like this? That makes zero sense in my opinion, but I hear you, man. And I shout out to the German ladies for holding their ground. <laughs> my scumbag of the night, though, is a little bit more local uh, here in, in West L.A., uh, not too far from where I live, uh, over in Westwood, where they recently dismissed uh, one of the UCLA track slash cross-country team members by the name of Chris Wineland. Um, this guy was dismissed because he went on Instagram Mm. Uh, I think Instagram and pretty much was upset that this girl who he had been dating left him for another guy. And he wasn't upset that just that the girl left him for another guy. He was really upset about the type of guy that this girl left him for. Mm. So the girl, Chris is, is a white, young, young white man. And I guess his girlfriend left him for a black guy. And Chris was saying things on, on this text. There was two, two different things. There was a text thread where he was just like, you're dating a nigger. He's not going to be anything. You're not going to be anything, you know. And then there was also a video that was uploaded to Instagram where he was just like kind of bitching and complaining about it. So I'm not even going to focus like that much on him. I mean, obviously he's a scumbag, but I mean, this is why I tell people, especially young kids, like my little cousins and my nephews, like be careful what you put on the internet. Oh yeah. Because it's like that girl said, it's like the girl who uh, we've all seen the, the, the social network about Mark Zuckerberg and like their creation of Facebook. It's like when he meets that girl in the opening scene in the bar and she's like, look, what you put on the internet it's written in ink, not pencil, right? So, yeah, you can delete stuff, but, like, all it takes is somebody, like, screenshotting it and, and spreading it for it to be out there in the ethos of the Internet. So he's an idiot for that. But what I really love, guys, was Clay Thompson's response. Because Clay Thompson went in, not on this dude, but more so on UCLA, and he ended it. I love, I love how he ended it because he was like, this dude's a clown. He was like, by the way, he was like, I didn't even know cross-country runners were tough like that. He was like, can't wait to see you, little homie. So I love the little dig by Clay Thompson there. But Chris Wyland and the UCLA cross-country track team, you are my scumbag of the night. I mean, 
you would just think that people would learn. I mean, if this guy's in college, he was raised in the midst of this technology and the social media. And, you know, you've seen older people get caught up by this and not to excuse them or not to say that, you know, it's right or whatever, but at the same time, they could overlook this, that they're going to get, you know, screenshot or they can overlook that it's archived, you know, but somebody that's in college now, shouldn't know that everything they say can and will be held against them when shit hits the fan. And um, I did see that update come in on my phone, Chance. Um, and you know what? I had a lot of updates at the time and I accidentally deleted it and I got kind of upset because I was like, oh, that was about UCLA. Something happened. So thank you for bringing it up because you just um, paraphrased it for me. And I'm going to try to paraphrase a request, a scumbag request from one of our listeners, loyal listeners since day one, my future brother-in-law, Caesar. Um, Caesar re- sent in a scumbag request during baseball season. He's a huge baseball fan. And um, this is his second request. And he is coming in after Kevin Mather, who is, I believe, the ex-CEO of the Seattle Mariners. Now, basically, and I need you to help me out, Chance and gentlemen, with what you know. Basically, Kevin Mather was recorded uh, doing some kind of interview with a local Rotary Club. And he went on to explain that he is very proud of the organization for saving all this money um, and that they are making so much money off this local TV deal. And he's being so cheap that he would rather his employees report to work and park in a dangerous neighborhood and walk to the stadium rather than rent them some parking spots right across the street where it's safe. Um, That's just one of the comments he made about saving money. He also went on to say that he plans on fucking with um, careers of the prospects because once he calls them up to the major leagues, he's on some some kind of timer. So once a prospect hits the professional field, once they get called up to the show, they have a certain amount of time before the organization, the Mariners, has to negotiate a contract with their agent. So instead of bringing them up, giving the Mariners a chance to compete and win, he would rather them stay um, under the radar so he doesn't have to pay them. He also went on to say he fired, um, or not fired, but he he did not bring back, um, I forget his name, it is one of the uh, Japanese pitchers, Iwakuma, I believe it is. He did not bring back his translator because instead of making Iwakuma feel comfortable having a translator there for him to speak Japanese, he would rather Iwakuma not have the translator so he can save 75 grand. Keep in mind, this was after he mentioned the millions of dollars they make from the TV deal. So he doesn't give a fuck about Iwakuma. Um, He'd rather keep 75 grand in his pocket than pay a translator. And he said that the second he told Iwakuma that he wasn't bringing his translator back, all of a sudden, Iwakuma started speaking perfect English. And um, then he went on to say that there is a Latino in the organization. They asked, how is he doing? How is this Latino faring out? Is he on track to be in the big leagues? And instead of speaking on his baseball talents, he said, yeah, um, his English is terrible. Um, He didn't say anything about the kid's personality, about his talent. Chance, um, what did I miss? Is I, I think that he also made a comment about about Corey Seager.
younger brother, um, he made a comment about him, about how he didn't want to play him um, or how he did either either play or pay him mm-hmm. that he was going to be gone um, after the year. I mean, dude, here's the thing. There's two things that I have an issue with that, and I'm going to flip it back to you, is that, A, like, this is why players hate management, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. and like, I get it. Management, you have to look at it as a business when you're an owner because it is a business. But the reason you I buy a franchise, in my opinion, is because it's a flex and you really care enough to want to win. Like, I feel like Steve Ballmer's, those are those are owners who are just like, yeah, I'm not going to just be reckless with my money and I'll spend some money to get guys like Kawhi and things like that. He was like, but, you know, also, you know, I want to fucking win. And then secondly, like, yo, man, bosses, bosses don't speak. And what I mean by that, fellas, is like, yo, you don't just go loose-lit with the fucking Seattle Rotary Club, right? <laughs> like, you can you can keep things surface level, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, he's a prospect. He's still learning. Or, but, like, you don't have to – like, he just thought he was comfortable and felt like he could let his hair down, and, like, it cost him his job. And, frankly, third quick third point is I don't think he wanted to be there. I think there was a, there, a part in the ESPN article where I read where he was just like, yeah, I probably won't even be – I won't even be back after this year. So it's kind of like some self-sabotage there. Like he just, just wanted out because like he just was tired of being a part of the organization. Yeah, it's it's scary, man. It's scary because, um, you know, it's a quick glimpse into, you know, some of the way these dudes think. And it's sad because Seattle is like the biggest sports town. Like, you know, think of the Seahawks. They love their Seahawks. Think of the fucking Sounders. They love their Sounders. And the WNBA team floors, didn't they just win the title? Did, well, no, I was I was asking because <laughs> I was asking because you uh, one of your heroes was um, the player uh, Sue Bird. I think she was playing for for the Seattle team. And I think they had just won the title or something like that. But um, you know, Seattle loves their sports teams, and they you know they would definitely sell out the Mariners games. So um, thank you, Caesar, for sending in that scumbag, Kevin Mather. You piece of shit for everything you were saying. Um, I I don't know how you're going to come back from this. Somehow, some way, you most likely will. Andres, any final statements before we end the show? Yeah, money, money, money. They don't give a shit about anything else. And uh, the only thing is, is he's no longer part of the organization. So, and Seattle is still hoping and wishing they still have the super, you know, Seattle Supersonics. So, hopefully, we can get them back a, a basketball team up there. <laughs> so that was uh, that was this week's show. Thank you for listening. Our heroes, our listeners, will never be our scumbags. Um, the weekend starts on Wednesday, and don't forget this week it starts with Champions League soccer, and it ends with Lakers taking on the Warriors, and me hopefully hitting my bull prediction. We will see you next week. If you're going to place any bets, good luck. <laughs>